why don't we lift our hands all across the building? Very evident how the worship. It has gotten heaven's attention today. This is what church is all about. It's not coming for entertainment or just something to do. But we're here to entertain the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When we do that, heaven opens. Answers come. Burdens are lifted. Encouragement's here. Refreshing in the spirit of man. We need more of this. We need more of this. Sessions, moments, times together that we allow the Holy Ghost through the worship, the praise, the thanksgiving of the people of God. The Holy Ghost can do more in just a moment than we can do in a lifetime. We need God like never before. I thank God for the worship here today. Sunday school, you're dismissed. Get into the word of the Lord here today. We're going to be reading out of John chapter 20. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. us to, to go a little further. We've got a touch here at the end of the encounter with the Lord. The day that we as the church cease from becoming that or being that, people can come and have an encounter with God. We cease being the church. We just become another building with people in it. But when we connect our hearts, under the load of life and I for humanity people this is all about is to see lives transformed not just uh, I thank God for fellowship connection we've got to see the transforming work of the Holy Ghost and, and, and you can feel through years and we're going to talk about it today but, but years of unfulfilled prayers and hurts causes us to kind of just become neutral. I mean, what's the point giving it my best? God ain't done what I thought he'd do anyway. Whether we, you know the word idleness, I'll come back and preach on a different day, but I just feel to, to, to interject it. It talks about the idleness. We think idleness is, is, not, is not doing anything idle. But the truest definition of what the word idleness in the New Testament means in the original Greek means not acknowledging purpose of God and acting on purpose. When I realize I've got a purpose in the kingdom of God, I act upon the purpose of God. What you're saying is this, this ain't about me, it's about Him. And it's whatever He wants to do in my life, not what I want Him to do. John chapter 20. Start with verse 24, but Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciple therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. 
But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Pretty bold statement there by Thomas. I will not believe. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless. Again, strong terminology by the Lord. Being faithless? Every man has a measure of faith. Did Thomas lose the measure? But believing, Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said unto him, said unto him Thomas, because thou seen me, thou hast believed. But blessed are they that have not seen and believe. At the very end there of 27, he said, Be not faithless, but believing, Thomas answered and said, My Lord, my God. Thomas never touched him. Thomas never touched him. But he declared who he was by the words that came from Jesus in that moment. I want to preach to you here today, again, a very simple thought. When your doubt blinds your faith. When your doubt blinds your faith. If you would, just lift your hands and ask God to talk to us today. Jesus, help us in this place. Your word's powerful. It can do anything. But God, we're the contingency, we're the gate. I'm asking you today, let the gate be open in our hearts and our spirit. Whatever the need is in this building, let it be supplied according to your word today. God, I believe you can, I believe you want to. And I ask you to do so today in Jesus' name. God bless you, you may be seated. He, very, very familiar as always. Some of these stories just stand out more than, than most we always have referred to poor little Thomas as Doubting Thomas. Good, good Sunday school lesson uh, we, we've heard since, since we were kids. Uh, even I wasn't raised in the church, but some of the earliest lessons I can recall uh, outside of Noah's Ark was poor old Doubting Thomas. He, he went down into the, the, the history books as the one that just couldn't muster up uh, the ability to... to um, at the critical moment to stand and, and say, hey, uh, I know you're, you're him. The, the, the backdrop of this, it, it amazes me. I'm very inquisitive. I begin to ask the Lord uh, in, in talking or, or just beginning to seek him in this story of Thomas. Uh, again, a passage I've preached from countless times. But I begin to, to, to see it again as always a little bit different. It's amazing how you can read the word of God over and over again. Preach from the same passage over and over again. And always you hunger for more. He'll show you something more about the same passage you've read over and over. He was one of the twelve and twenty-four starts like that. If you would Beth, find that verse for me, twenty and twenty-four. He said he was one of the twelve. Thomas was, was one that had walked with Jesus just as he as the others he was counted in 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 the number and uh, he he was part of the beginning group the 
the early church as we would call it. This is it. This is the beginning church. Twelve disciples, twelve apostles. And Thomas being one of the twelve, the scripture says. So he had been there with them through all the miracles and the signs and the wonders and uh, seeing the, the dead being raised and devils being cast out in the, the synagogue and, and, and part of services where, where Jesus spoke. And uh, again, my mind just began to go through all the scenarios uh, of Jesus uh, on the boat and, and seeing the storm calm. He was right there. Jesus on the mount telling the Beatitudes and all the, uh, what it takes to be blessed. And, and there was Thomas hearing all of these lessons and sermons and not just things he heard, but what he saw. Got to get that from the beginning. He heard and he saw. He heard what Jesus said, but he saw Jesus in action. Blinded eyes being opened and, and, and despair in families. I think of the, the daddy in Mark 9, one of my favorite scriptures. And I guess because it's a father, his son keeps throwing himself into the fire. He keeps hurting himself and the daddy can't do nothing about it. And that old daddy says to him, I don't know what to do. He's vexed. He's troubled. He keeps hurting himself. And the daddy's response in Mark 9 says, I believe, but help mine unbelief. I can identify with that, Brother Fontenot. I believe, but help mine unbelief. I, I know God can, but the struggle. There's Thomas watching this daddy experience unbelief. Experiencing belief, experiencing trouble in his family. And Thomas witnessed with his own eyes Jesus reaching down to that boy and delivering him and setting him free from the demonic activity that that boy was under. Dominion was exercised, authority was exercised. The greatest thing that could have ever been seen on the earth was being witnessed by Thomas. And the other 11. And in all of this, we go through the crucifixion. I, I, I wish I could sit with Thomas and say, Thomas, where did it start to disintegrate? Where in your walk and your, your talking with him that, that you began to lose the focus of what it was all about that you uh, began to did, did you sign up for this because of the, the neat miracles that Jesus was it the wow the first time you saw it and go whoa he's got some neat tricks I'm going to follow him because of the tricks and when the tricks stopped at Calvary Thomas says I don't know I'm, I'm speculating where was, where was the moment and he laid it down, his faith, and said, How, Brother Darrell, it racks my, my mind thinking, you saw blinded eyes, you saw deliverance, you saw authority, you saw power, you saw everything that I hope to see, and you still laid it down. I'm trying to help somebody right here from the beginning of this message. If Thomas had trouble and was blinded in faith, by doubt, what makes you and I exempt? 
but makes you and I one that, and again, I'm all for pushing yourself and doing the best of your ability. I'm preaching to people today, and I make it very clear who I'm preaching to. You've done it with everything you got. You praise with everything you got. You pray with everything you got. You worship with everything you got. You're faithful with everything you got. I'm not saying perfect. But you do it with everything that you got. And today you're looking at situations and circumstances and you're trying to say, God, I just don't see it. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. Or that, that whole translation there at the end, walking by sight, translating the original Greek, the deeper etymology of it is governed by. What am I under the government of? Am I governed by fear? Am I governed by what I see? Or am I governed by what I don't see? See, because in, my, in the natural, I don't see my situation working out because it's impossible. But in the eye of the Spirit, I see God coming down where I am and doing a miracle for me that would shake the foundations of my world and family because God's able. And what are eyes fixed on in the natural? I'm looking now at what's wrong. Sister Linda, I'm glad you're in the house of the Lord today. I missed you. I missed you. But my eyes are fixed on what ain't right in here. My body, my health. My eyes are fixed on what's wrong in my marriage. My eyes are fixed on what's not right in my own thinking. And rightfully so, I, I get us looking at ourselves and self-examining ourselves and, and looking in the Word of God. I'm, I told you, I'm not preaching on that right now. I'm talking about people. You've done what you know you to do. You tried to do it with every bit of fiber in your body. I'm trying to encourage you today, let you know you've been blinded by doubt. But that doesn't mean God's finished with you. That doesn't mean it's over. That doesn't mean God's going to count you out. Just because Thomas was a doubter doesn't mean God pulled him out of the 12 he let him stay if I continue in my doubt and unbelief I'll suffer the consequences but I'm trying to call somebody to come to a reality check and stop in your tracks and say you don't have to go down that road of unbelief anymore you don't have to go down that road of what you don't see in the natural Am I governed by, I walk by faith, not by sight. I walk by what I'm, go I'm governed by my faith in a one that can do anything under the sun. There's nothing that's impossible with him. See, that old doubt and unbelief, that's what was in this building in the beginning. But some said, uh-uh, I'm not staying right here. I'm going to push through to an altar. I'm going to push through in my lifting of hands. I'm going to, I don't care what your mama was. She might have beat you and was mean, but there's still a God in heaven that's faithful and good if you let him be that I'm dealing with abuse today you were abused by your mama you were abused by your daddy and today you're bitter and doubtful unbelieving against God that's why your family's all messed up What God's wanting to show you today, you're just blinded by doubt. Don't let it rob you of your faith. 
Don't let it rob you in what God can do with you today. You can change the verdict today. You can change the outcome of your kids today. You can change this situation today by one act of faith saying, uh uh-uh. uh. Go to Hebrews 6 and 12, Beth. Get ready. We're going to go. I'm going to read a couple of these. Hebrews 6 and 12. Here's the great book of Hebrews. Writer commonly thought of as Paul. He's trying to encourage people again. He's saying, don't be slothful. In other words, what happens to me in your life when our faith is blinded by doubt? Paul wasn't trying to be unkind, saying you're just a sloth. What he was trying to say is there's a behavior that's associated when your faith is blinded. You become just reserved. You become kind of withdrawn. You know how I can tell somebody's faith, they don't praise God. They don't worship God. They don't plug in with their heart. They're kind of just a body on a pew. Telltale sign of your faith has been blinded by doubt. God doesn't mean he's done with you. Preacher ain't done with you. The church ain't done with you. God's trying to wake somebody up to realize it doesn't have to go down that road. You and I could stop it that day. Whether you see Jesus face to face and you put your hands in his side, or you t- it doesn't matter. God can give you a revelation today that he's working in your family. He's working in your church. He's working in our homes. He's working in our community. He's working on your job. He's working in your health. Just don't let your faith be be blinded by doubt that I won't believe unless I see. He said, don't associate slothful, but follow of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Now remember this, I'm fixing to define this for you. Faith and patience go together. Faith, every man's got a measure of. Patience, don't come easy. Oh, come on, somebody. Don't act like you're all patient. You know, sometimes you, uh, don't act like you're all patient. Well, no, 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 no. Your slothfulness will show. The ability of I'm reserved now, I'm not going to engage doesn't mean it's a negative term, slothful. It's a behavior. And he's saying your faith and patience come together as one. He said, but here's the kicker. There's an inheritance of promises that I'm wanting to give you. There's an inheritance of promises. There's promises God wants to give Indian Village. There's promises God wants to give this family. There's promises God wants to give this family. There's promises God wants to give that family. But if I'm not careful, I kind of just become aloof and kind of dist- just kind of off here. And God's saying, uh-uh, now's not the time. Don't let the enemy blind your faith by something you don't see in the natural. But lift your eyes and see which cometh forth your help. He's coming again. This is why I believe many will have heard the same message like today. But because through my life circumstances, I can't lift my eye to see in the spirit what God's wanting to do in my family. And if I can't do it in the natural for my family and the things I'm facing today, then when Jesus comes, I'm going to miss the coming of the Lord. That's why I've said it before. There'll be many that'll miss his coming that are good people. 
but they never learned how to pull that veil of doubt off and say, uh-uh, not today on your best day. It don't matter whether I see his hands. It don't matter where I see his feet. Jesus is real, and he's been good to me, and I'm not going to lose my praise. I'm not going to lose my worship. I'm not going to lose my fervency in living for him no matter what. Go to the next one. Go. Hebrews 10, 10, 36. And then from there, get ready. We're going to Romans 8, 10, 36. For you. Here it is. It don't say you have need of faith. I wish I had about 10 hallelujahs right there. I got faith. I need patience. My faith's intact. It's just blinded by doubt. It's blinded by what I can't see in the natural. I don't see that relationship turning good because today we got in a fight. I don't see that son and daughter because there they laid in a hospital bed. And I would think it would move them to God, but instead they didn't say anything. About God. And doubt begins to move because I didn't see a response. Folks, this is just as applicable for the preacher. I believe in echoing back. I believe that when the Word of God, your faith, that's what grows it and you're tying into it. I believe in it firmly. But then there's other times I know that when that Word goes forth, doubt is right there going, oh, oh. Trying to blind me on what God wants to do. He said, you need patience. And after you've done the will of God. After you've removed the doubt. And stood and said. Remember these words I'm saying. I'm fixing to define it. Stood and said. Though he slay me. Yet I'll trust him. I don't see a result today. I don't see them moving today. I see them getting further away from God. Brother Bush, I see them going further and further. You don't go by what you see in the night. Don't go by them being in the bar last night. Don't go by what happened in the community last night. Don't go by what happened at the gas station yesterday. You got to go by what I see. I'm going to abide and trust that God's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I think or ask, according to the power that worketh in me you determine not me he said after you've done the will of God you will receive so here's what he's saying Kyle I got to work patience and faith together I got to do the will of God to get the promises of God. If I don't do the will of God, no promises of God. Does it mean God changes his mind? Absolutely not. God just stands there and holds it and says, When you move and do my will, then I'm going to release. 
I'm trying to preach some faith into somebody today through the word of God today because faith cometh by hearing and hearing of the word of God. It don't come by me telling you some little thing that catches your attention. Let, let me do it with the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing of the word. What's the word say? Without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that believeth God, he is. And he's a reward of those that diligently seek him. I got to believe that God's already working in the end before I ever even started the journey. I got to believe that my faith is going to propel me that I complete the mission and the will of God. He said, after you might receive a promise. Ooh, come on, let's go, Biff. I'm going to get stuck on that. Romans 8, 24. Now this one I love. For we're saved Hope that is seen. Ooh. God, I love his word. Anybody said you can't find, you can find whatever you need in that book. You just got to read it. And you got to keep reading it and keep reading it. I remember when I first started reading Brother Wade, I didn't understand nothing in that book. Thou's and those and it didn't make a lick of sense. But I was kind of like Philip. I had somebody come and teach me his word. And then after they taught me, I began to dig what they taught me. And I began to read it and read it and read it and read it. Not because I was a preacher, but because I wanted to know him. He said, faith that is seen or hope that is seen is not hope. Real simple. If you see it, it ain't hope. So the enemy does real good at letting you see what you shouldn't be seeing. He lets you see what ain't right. He lets you see what ain't good. And the day you live on the media bandwagon, it's all about what ain't good and what ain't right. And this, this country's going to the pits and... And then you get around certain people around the church, they're negative about the church. Well, it just ain't. It's too cold in here. It's too hot in here. I'm just grasping, okay? Don't get mad because I picked him. I told him to turn the air up and I'll sweat. There's always going to be something that ain't right. Since so-and-so didn't talk to me, brother so-and-so didn't talk to me, Preacher's too loud. The music's too loud. They scream too much. They whisper too much. It's just humanity, Sister Becky. It's the old proverbial saying, a half a glass of water. Looked at two people, said it's a glass. One says it's half full. One says it's half empty. Some are just born negative, And some are just born positive. And maybe that's the wrong terminology. Maybe I need to say, not born. Maybe they work at trying to look at the brighter things. And the good things of God. Romans says it like this. For we're saved by hope. But hope that is not seen is not hope. For what a man seeth. Why does he have hope for it? Next verse. And here it is. But if we hope for that we see not. If you can pick up your faith enough and push doubt away. You say you're speaking so metaphorically. Yes faith is not something you can quantify. 
can't measure that. I can measure the Holy Ghost. Stephen said he was full, so if there's full, I got a scriptural reference that says the Holy Ghost, you can be half full. You can be running on low. And you can be full. But in faith, in this moment, he said, then do we with patience The word patience in the original Greek comes from a, the first word is hupo mino. The next one that breaks it down even further, ultimately getting to the hupo, not hippo, hupo. And what you'll find is the common thread in all of them. It, it's talking about that even in obedience. The word obedience comes from the same Greek word. And here's what it means, to come under. To come under. The minnow and the other part, the other Greek word, it means to abide, to stay with. Patience means I've got to come under and I've got to abide. Well, that tells me what to do, but what do I do with my attitude? I know what I got to do, but how do I deal with? emotion of it glad you asked go back to that verse Beth he said patience and waiting the word waiting sister Claudia means expected outcome he's saying you gotta come under and abide how do I do that brother Dale because I know with an expectation that says God would have never put me here if he didn't expect to fulfill what he told me he's going to. I'm trying to preach some hope in somebody today. You don't see your family moving. You see more conflict and problem. You need to just come under and abide. God's going to do what he said he's going to do and he ain't going to change his mind. God don't change his mind. You change your mind. But God don't change his mind. Just as much as that sun comes up and it's done by his word. His word is what's making the sun come up. You got to get that. Not because I'm telling you to. That's foundational, fundamental belief in God. If I don't believe his word is what made the sun come up and keeps everything. I said it the other night. One degree and the earth gets closer to one degree, Brother Sherman, and the earth burns up. One degree less away from the sun and the earth freezes up. One degree. One degree. You think God don't know the number of hair on your head? You think God don't care about the sparrow? This is the word telling you if he cares about the sparrow and he cares about the number of hair on your head, he cares about your infirmity. He cares about your family. He cares about your job. He cares about your finances. He cares about, but you and I have got to come under and abide with an expectancy in our voice. That's why I praise him because it's a sign of expectancy. That's why I pray fervently. It's a sign of expectancy. It's a sign to him, Brother Sherman. 
I'm not giving up. See, a lot of people, Brother Langley, say, well, I'd never give up. But here's what we've done. We don't give up on God, but we give up on the promises that God gave us. And God's over there going, I'm waiting, Brother Mike. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm, you know, I got scripture that says Jesus even prayed for them when they were in a storm. I believe personally, Brother Mike, that when I can't pray for myself and I'm in a shape and I don't know how to pray and I don't know what to pray, I believe that I've got an advocate and I've got an intercessor, Jesus Christ, and he's over there on the mountains of heaven, metaphorically, and he's saying, oh, come on, Scott Benoit, I'm praying for you. I've invested word in you. I've invested truth in you. I've told you countless, come on, somebody, listen to me. God's shown you countless times if he's ever healed your body, I'm going to praise him if he's ever touched your family I'm going to praise him if he's ever done anything good for you and I I'm going to praise him and let him know I'm expecting my family you got a you got a hoopo you got a hoopo you got to come under and abide. Uh-uh. Doubt starts coming. Come here, Kyle. Come here, Luke. Anyway. I'm about done. Go get racist. Preach. Your doubt. Me and you. Put your hands. Look ahead. God, don't touch the ceiling, just lift it. Okay, stand right there, face them people. Okay, if you're loving God, you're worshiping God, you're thanking Him for His goodness, you're thanking Him for giving you a wife. Hint, hint. Thank you, Jesus, I got a wife finally. Ain't that right, Aaron? Thank you, Jesus, miracles do work. He's praising God, and me and you's doubt. He's trying to believe, and you're looking, open your eyes, you're looking, looking for the promises of God, looking for the things of God, and doubt. See, for all these people that think spiritual battles are not real, you need to go read that book again. But I don't want to put so much stock on spiritual warfare and all that stuff. This whole book is spiritual warfare. And anybody ever tell you different, that's contrary to that book. It started with, a, do I need to go before Genesis? It started with a war in heaven before man was ever created. Warfare between good and evil. And God said, rebellion will not dwell around my throne. And he cast him out at 186,000 miles per second. Boom. That's how much God hates rebellion. Oh. But we pet it. Oh, I'm going to come back and preach on that a little bit. Every time you go silent, it gives me another message to come preach. God, I ain't going to ever have enough time, enough time to preach everything I got. Y'all need to quit going silent. And we pet that little rebellion, Brother Sean, and go, it's okay. We call it passive aggressive. And we pet it. God says, I hate it. God hates things, folks. 
But let me tell you what, just as much as he hates sin, he loves a saint of God that says, I'm going to serve you. I'm going. God will pull out every resource of heaven, Brother Roger. He'll send you double angels. He'll send you an angelic host that will protect your kids, protect your family. He'll work on them. Why? You've got an inheritance of a promise that he's wanting to give to you and I. Don't let your faith be blinded by doubt. And that doubt, everything in its power. Thomas, what was it? Did you not like Judas? Could you not get over what Judas did? Could you not get over the one out of the 12 that sold him out? Thomas, you don't understand. Judas was just a pawn. It was the will of God for me to die. It could have been you, Thomas. It almost was Peter. They're just pawns. God will use anybody. I've seen people, Holy Ghost filled, do things of a carnal nature. Thomas, let Judas go. Forgive Judas. Is it Peter? Are you still mad because Peter cut off the ear? Are you mad because Peter? Oh, oh, maybe it's John. Maybe John's too soft for you, Thomas. Maybe John was him and James jockeying for a position. Who's going to be on the right hand? And mama shows up and mama starts manipulating and getting her. Maybe you mad at poor old John's mama. Maybe you're mad at John's daddy for not controlling his mama. Oh, God. Y'all go silent. I'm telling you, that's just six messages I just got right there. Six messages. Maybe you're mad because, John, what is it you expected, watch me, somebody to do? And they did not do it. You expected them to hold their tongue and they opened it and hurt you. You expected them to maybe speak up and they didn't. What is it, Thomas? But whatever it was, Thomas, you're Thomas. You can't even see what this is all about. You cannot even see why I had to go to Calvary. And for lost humanity, you're so consumed with yourself. And the Bible says, go, Beth, John 20, 25. Watch this. Jesus, I'm closing, really, it's 1044. Really, Sister Lisa, i got to close. He goes like this. I'm going to give it to you fast. Jesus shows up in John. Stay where you are, Beth. John 20 and about 18. He shows up. He's done dead. He ain't in the tomb. Mary shows up at the tomb, and there's Jesus shows up to Mary. And watch what he says. He said, hey, she's all clingy and stuff. She, you know, she's like, oh, ah. And, John, and Jesus says, whoa, stop, lady. Don't touch me. Why? According to the law, he had to, the, the, the priest could not be touched when he was going into the ark to atone for the sins of humanity. He was in official capacity. Don't touch me. Mary goes on. She goes, tell the people, hey, guess what? I saw him. Jesus, here it is. Jesus shows up, verses 19, 18, 19. He shows up to the boys again. Watch. But Thomas is not there. Thomas is blinded 
by doubt and don't even show up to church. How many people have you talked to? I've talked to them, seen them. But I'm not going to church. Listen to me. Don't you ever not come to church. Your answer's in the church. There were times I sat in a parking lot at Eastwood Pentecostal Church, Luke. I sat there thrashing in pain. 30 minutes down the road, thrashing in pain. My body in pain. Wouldn't take no pain medicine. Losing my mind. Screaming my head off. And there she is driving the car. We pull up. I said, I'm done. I'm sick of this. I'm tired. I want to go home. Thank God for a wife that had sense. She said, we're going to church. I said, I'm going home. I don't want to go. I don't want to sit there and listen to. I didn't say it, but I knew what I was thinking. I don't want to hear a preacher tell me what I got to do. I can't do nothing more. She said, we're going inside. And I get inside that building, Brother Bushnell, and I'm sitting there on that pew, and I ain't moving. They're praising God, and I'm just a stewing in my mind. I don't want to be here. I don't really believe. And all of a sudden, I'm just sitting there kind of just, what, what in the world? They're having their, I think, practice maybe beforehand. And right before that service starts, I get a tap on the shoulder. I said, Brother Ewan wants to see you in his office, Dale. And I go in to see my pastor. And I sit down there, and I thought this was going to be just great. Pastor's fixing a love on me. Pastor's fixing to just give me a big parade he might even give me something else I don't know but I sat there brother Bushnell thinking I'm fixing to get a big hallelujah and he sat on the edge of that chair and he slapped that desk and he said boy he said if you want to abort what God's about to do you go ahead and quit but you hear me in a week it's going to be over that's pastoral authority and I begin to weep and she began to weep and to his word in a week, Jacob. My whole pain in my body changed. But I was blinded. I doubt. I couldn't even see if the word of God would work or didn't work. All I could see was pain, problems. I was blinded by doubt. Thomas ain't even there. And look what Jesus does. You gotta let me close it. Jesus does this. He ain't even there. And the disciples go to Thomas and say, Jesus showed up. Thomas says, I wouldn't, I will not believe, even if I put my hand in his side. He's popping off, just like I did. I'm popping off. I won't believe. I don't, I don't believe God can do that. Oh. God's got to do this, this, and this. We put our law our algorithm to it of what God's got to do for it to happen. Watch. Next verse. 26. And after eight days, you know why eight days? Levitical law. He's done ascended. He's applied blood. He's been gone. From the time that he showed up to the disciples in verse 19, Jesus made a trip. He comes back. Eight days. He's a type of, of supernatural and completion, all this kind of stuff. So much significance. And Jesus comes eight days. He shows up with Thomas. They had enough pull with Thomas to get him in the group. And when they got him in the group, the door's being shut. You know how I like that verse, Brother Ron? They locked him in. <laughs> that guy was saying, I'm going to lock you in until you get the Holy Ghost. I lock you in until you pray through. He's shut in. And 
all of a sudden, Jesus walks in. You're doubt. Keep kind of waving in his eyes. And Jesus walks in. Watch. Next verse. Watch. He says, peace unto you. Go to the next verse. Peace. Then said Thomas. Then say he to Thomas. Thomas, I know you didn't. I get it. See, there's a scripture in Psalms. Don't go there, Beth. I ain't got time. Psalms 27. It says, seeing to believe. David, the writer of David's. It connects to 1 Samuel 27. And here's what David was saying. I'm seeing to believe, Tanya. The goodness of God. Well, here's what he's trying to interpret. We always say, seeing is believing. Or it's believing to see. Psalms 27. I'm believing to see. I'm believing to see the goodness of God. We say seeing is believing. We're the ones that God is backwards. It's I'm believing to see, not seeing going to make me a believer. So you got him saying, Thomas, go ahead. I'm going to let you probe me because I know you're struggling. Doubts blinded you. Next verse. He said, don't be faithless. And Thomas answered and said, I don't need to touch it to believe. I'm seeing it by faith. Next verse. Close. Y'all can see guys. Thanks. Jesus said to them, because you've seen me, now it's believe. You've seen me in the natural touch me, you could have but there's a blessing for those that are believing that's never seen the greatest place you and I could ever be in living for God is in a position of under abiding knowing assuredly God's going to do it, there's a blessing in that position, this is what makes you and I smile when things are not going well This is what causes me to look to the author, finisher of my faith, and know God's got my back. God's got my front. God's got my present. God's got this, and I'm going to trust him no matter what. Stand with me. Who today, you could honestly say, more than just three people. I'm preaching to a majority of this congregation that would say, You know what? I've had days where my faith, I need a healing in my body. Don't seem like it's ever going to happen. I need something to happen in my kids and my family. Don't seem like it's ever going to happen. I need my finances to change. Don't seem like it's ever going to happen. Or the promises you're waiting for God, it don't seem like it's ever going to happen. Faith has been blinded by doubt. But today, you realize there's a blessing in believing something that I have not seen yet. And I'm going to keep believing no matter what. And I'm not going to let it blind my faith. Lift your hands all across this building. Oh, you got lost children. You got conflict in your family. You got health issues. Come on, let's. we ain't even touched the mind. People are under strain, anxiety, fear, doubt. Come on, grab the hand of the person next to you. Let's come together as a family today. Families today, grab your husband, grab your wife, grab your kids if they're here. Come together as a family today.
patience. There's patience. That's something we work on. That's something God helps us with. But it's something I got to have. I need the patience. I need to learn, God, how to come under. That's what patience is. I'm coming under. God, you got it. I trust you in it. Come on, lift your voice. Ministers, help me to pray right now. There's people that need a touch from God today in this building. Come on, ministering brethren. Help me to find somebody to pray with.